Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Battlefield Next. My name is Major Jason Coffey. Before we get started with this episode, let's do some housekeeping. First, the views expressed on the podcast are the views of the participants and do not necessarily represent those of the Judge Advocate General's Legal Center and School, the Army, the Department of Defense, or any other agency of the U.S. government. Today's podcast is an interview of three recent graduates of the Judge Advocate Officer Basic Course, First Lieutenant Brianna Collada, First Lieutenant Asia Buss, and First Lieutenant Mandy Ford. Due to the episode's length, it is divided into two parts. In part one, Major Wellemeyer and I discuss with them such topics as why they chose the Army JAG Corps, their commissioning sources, JAG Corps internships, their experiences with the application, accession, and assignments process, and preparing for and reporting to the Direct Commission Officer course. Part two covers their experiences at the Direct Commission Officer course, the Judge Advocate Officer Basic course, the advice they would give future applicants, and what they think the JAG Corps can do to improve the application and accession process. So, without further delay, we move to the episode. All right, Lieutenant Buss, if you could uh, tell us a little bit about what your decision-making process was like to um, choose the JAG Corps, given that you were an ROTC Ed Delay student. Sure, sir. So um, I actually started looking at the JAG Corps while I was in high school. I got the opportunity to work in an office throughout high school. Um, in college, I decided to join ROTC um, and got the chance to talk to a lot of JAG officers, um, and just it reaffirmed my um my desire to become a judge advocate. First Lieutenant Kalata, can you talk a little bit about what it was like to do Ed De- or to do ROTC while you were in law school? So it was definitely a, a balancing act, I guess is what you could call it. Um, I had wonderful um, support both from the law school and um, cadre at the University of Florida Army ROTC program. So it was just figuring out the schedule, making sure that I wasn't missing large chunks of, you know, instruction at the ROTC side, making sure I was still being able to fully participate in law school and, you know, not fall behind there. Um, It's definitely doable, though. Like, if someone really wants to do it, I think they should just go for it. Um, It very much gets you in that mindset of doing both professions at the same time. So I'm very grateful for that experience of, you know, learning how to be an officer and learning how to be, you know, a law student and a future lawyer at the same time, because it it is very similar to what our um, routine and our lifestyle is here at uh, DCC and OBC. Could you talk a little bit about what your training was like during the summers after your 1L and 2L year? Sure. So I, um, I decided to do... ROTC my first year of law school um after my first year of law school I went to the basic camp that's what it was called at the time um which is just a very basic introduction to um you know what ROTC is going to be like and being an officer candidate and it was a month long at Fort Knox Kentucky um very similar to DCC and then after my second year of law school I went to uh the advanced camp is what it was called and that was just your capstone project, basically a month long at Fort Knox as um, a cadet. And you rotate through different leadership positions and you do, um, we did like two weeks of field training uh, in addition to, you know, some other administrative things that you need to commission. Um, but all of that summer training was worked out, 
you know, between the law school, um, JARO, and ROTC so that I was still able to do the internship with the JAG Corps and summer training at the same time for ROTC. As someone, as a cadet doing ROTC in law school, were you guaranteed a spot in the JAG Corps or did you still have to apply just like everybody else? So I was never guaranteed a spot in the JAG Corps. Um, that was very obvious up front. You know, that was never like a hide the ball situation. Um, as soon as I was interested in contracting, you know, the recruiting officer told me, hey, you know, it's not guaranteed. You know, you might have to choose a different branch, but I was okay with that because I wanted to serve in some way. Um, and in the end, you know, I, I worked as hard as I could just to make myself a, a good candidate for the JAG Corps. And, you know, if, if you're if you're doing everything you can, you know, it gives you a better shot. It's gives you a good idea of what the lifestyle is like. So, you know, it's not guaranteed, but it's, you know, obvious that you want it if you really put the work in. Lieutenant Buss, I'm going to go back to you um, and ask you a question about your your decision, your branching decision. So as a an ROTC student in undergrad, you had a number of different options. What were what was your decision making process like to decide to apply for ed delay and go that route instead of some of the other branches? Um, throughout ROTC we were given the chance to not really intern, but there's a program called CTLT. Um, we were allowed to uh, shadow XOs, um, shadow platoon leaders. Um, so that kind of really opened my eyes to, I would say, the real Army life. Um, coming back from that and looking at the branch choices, I made a preference list um, because like Lieutenant Collada said, we aren't guaranteed an ed delay to get the JAG Corps. So I chose the um, Medical Corps branch. Um, and then next was aviation. Um, I just kind of chose those as aspirations in case the JAG Corps didn't work out. Um, luckily it has, but um, like L Lieutenant Claude said, the JAG Corps is not guaranteed throughout law school, so we do have to keep that in mind. All right, Lieutenant Ford, now I want to ask you a, a question about your decision. So you are a what's called a direct commissionee, which means that you applied to be in the JAG Corps as a regular civilian in law school. Could you tell us a little bit about your decision-making process as a law student to decide to to apply for um, and then commission into the JAG Corps? Sure, sir. Well, for me, it was simple because I had intended to enlist in the military after getting my undergraduate degree, but it didn't work out. So once I got to law school, and the field screening officers from all of the branches started coming every semester, you know, twice a year and giving their presentations. It was, it was a no-brainer for me. It was another route for me to get into the military. And, and you know, um, billable hours sounded horrible. And I, I craved that sense of adventure that you're just generally not going to get from any other, any other law firm out there. Earlier, Lieutenant Collada mentioned the internship. Could you talk a little bit about your experience in the internship program? Absolutely, sir, because it's been two and a half years, and I still get heart flutters when I think about my internship. I actually got to go to Italy for my internship, um, and that's where I first got my feet wet in the Army culture. I got to rotate through two, two different areas of law, and I got to attend a lot of different uh, different meetings 
um, that related to different areas of law during, it was, a t- it was two months. It ran from May to, I think, the end of July. Um, so, yeah. For someone who might be interested in the internship, could you talk a little bit about what maybe the physical requirements were, if there were any, and kind of what a typical schedule was like for you while you were at that unit? Yeah, absolutely, sir. It was a it was typically a nine to five schedule. PT was about three days a week. We w- did a lot of fun activities. Uh, usually, one day of week was dedicated to the unofficial sport of the Jag Corps, ultimate frisbee. So we had that at least once a week, and we went on bike rides all throughout the side streets of Italy. We went uh, on runs. Uh, we did ultimate. Uh, soccer. We had three soccer balls going once. It was a lot of fun. We They mixed it up um, almost every day. It was something different. You mentioned that you you were exposed to two, at least two different areas of law during your internship. Could you talk a little bit more about what those areas were? Yes, yeah, sir. The first month I spent in military justice on the government side, or military justice, yeah. So it was the, the government side uh, of the courtroom. And I got to attend two court courts martial. I got to um, the second month. It was legal assistance, and I got to sit in on a lot of interviews with soldiers, just dealing with their day to day issues, such as wills and divorces. Um, since it was Italy, there were some immigration issues that came up, and actually, some tax. Uh, the tax clinic was there too, so I got to learn a little bit about that as well. What was the rank of the the individuals that you spent the most time with? We had some first lieutenants who had just gotten there, but mostly captains, sir. So you think it's fair to say that it was a good representation of what you'll be doing soon when you're in the JAG Corps? Absolutely, sir. That's what I. Yeah. Now, since since being here, I've heard that I will I'll be a first lieutenant myself, and I'll be around a bunch of captains mostly. And what are you actually going to be doing next? I'm actually going to legal assistance. All right, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about the application process. I think one of you earlier had mentioned a field screening officer. Lieutenant uh, Collada, let's go to you. Could you talk a little bit about what your interview, what the interview process was like with your field screening officer and, and also maybe touch on the, the application and what you needed to submit with that? Sure. So the, the interview process was... Um, we were given information about when the field screening officer would be at uh, my law school, and we scheduled our own interview with the field screening officer. Sometimes the career um, development office or you know, some type of office like that will set up time slots, um, but I contacted him individually, and um, you know, I dressed up, wore a suit. Um, since I was a cadet, I, I didn't wear my uniform, but... I know like Lieutenant Buss did wear her uniform. So um, once he was in the interview, for me, it was very laid back um, just because they knew I was a cadet um, and I, you know, had already contracted to serve at that point. So it wasn't the questions for me weren't, you know, are you willing to deploy? Um, You know, are you willing to move where the military tells you to? It was more of just like, hey, you know, what do you want to know about the job? Um, You know, what are you interested in? Um, they gave me some suggestions on classes to take uh, in my last year and a half of law school. And honestly, I'm very glad that I took those classes because they have been immensely helpful. Administrative law, 
Um, I took immigration law. Um, we didn't have any like national security type law, but if you can take that, that I can see how that would be extremely helpful. Um, but then, I mean, the interview was, I, I want to say maybe 15 or 20 minutes. And uh, once that was done, I believe the field screening officer submits their own um, like review of the interview and their own recommendation. And then I went online. Uh, I think I filled out the application after my interview um, and just had a personal statement, uh, some pretty basic questions. Uh, it, it didn't take very long. The longest part is probably the personal statement. And once you submit that, I believe it's usually around October, if not a little bit earlier. And then you receive the the results in December. Lieutenant Busses, if you could talk a little bit about maybe other judge advocates or people that you consulted um, after your field screening officer during that process um, with your decision to, you know, go further, further along while you were in law school? Um, so, sir, I really um, clung on to the people that I met at my internship, uh, Captain Rachel Arment. She was a really good mentor for me. Um, and just like Lieutenant Ford said, the people you work with at the internships are more aligned with uh, your peers and the kind of people you'll be working with in the judge advocate corps when you when you first enter. Um, so she really talked me through the process. Um, you know, there was times where I was nervous or times where I just wanted someone to look over something, for example, the letter to my FSO. Um, so having those links to the JAG Corps um, and having someone who really knows what they're talking about was super helpful during the process. I'm going to skip ahead until the acceptance until commissioning. So, Lieutenant Boss, about how long before you were accepted did you were you actually coming to the JAG Corps report for DCC? Um, so there was a bit of a delay um, from acceptance into actually coming to Fort Benning, Georgia. Um, so during that time, um, it was it was about a six month to eight month delay. Um, so during that time, I found other employment um, while waiting to enter DCC. And how was the medical process for you? Um, so I actually did the long-term Army physical during ROTC. Um, so as an ed delay, I didn't have to renew that long process, thank goodness. Um, I just had to fill out um, an LHI form, um, do a PHA for the Army, just an updated physical, um, and send it into the Army. And Lieutenant Ford, and what was that process for uh, submitting, doing your own medical process? Sure. So you first have to, um, the Army will give you a list of providers in your area that you go to. They just do a basic medical assessment of you. Um, and you have to go and get some other tests done as well. So after you do all of that work yourself, uh, for the direct commissioning side anyway, then you have to submit it all to Dodmerb. Dodmerb goes through your entire, entire medical uh, file and looks to see if you're going to require a waiver or not. And regardless of whether you require a waiver, they send all of your medical information to the command surgeon, and uh, they make the ultimate determination whether or not you're clear. So it's, it's a two-phase two process that takes a very, very long time. And Lieutenant Galata, I'm going to skip ahead to the duty station process. So you've obviously know where you're going next, right? I do. I am going to Fort Bliss in Texas. And how did that work out for you? 
were you given uh, a number of places to choose from? Uh, what was the conversation with PPNTO like? Um, so Jero sent out an email. It was early May, I believe, um, stating that we needed to put in our preference list. And they had a list of locations, uh, and we chose eight, uh, ranked one through eight, one being your top choice. Um, Fort Bliss was my second choice uh, because I had interned there. I put it higher, and I got my second choice. So I was very happy with the process overall. I believe we submitted the form at the end of May, and we found out a month later, and we received a call from Jero um, personally, each of us, stating, you know, this is going to be your duty station. If you have any questions, you know, let us know. Um, it was very personal. Um, no, no issues. Lieutenant Buss, you're going to Fort Bragg. Yes, sir. What are you going to be doing there? Um, I will be in legal assistance, sir, okay. at 18th Airborne Corps. And where was uh, Fort Bragg on your on your wish list? Fort Bragg was number one, so I was very excited to hear that I'd be going to Fort Bragg. And so now I'm going to skip ahead to preparing for um, BCC. So for the two... Um, Ed Delay and then Lieutenant Colada, you went through ROTC and law school. You kind of had a taste of what, um, you know, what training, this kind of training was going to be like. So I'm going to focus this question to Lieutenant Ford. Um, Lieutenant Ford, how was it preparing for DCC specifically, you know, taking care of getting, uh, putting your household goods up in storage, um, getting ID cards? What what was the process for you? Sure, sir. Um, the household goods, uh Really, it only took one phone call to the right person, um, and that gal, she actually works here at the at the JAG school. She's very, very helpful. I sent her, um, maybe I just sent her one email, and she responded back. Um, I sent her an email asking, what's the process? I don't know what to do, because I had to get my stuff out of storage before I even left for DCC. And I sent her one email, and she responded back with all of the information I needed and helped me fill out this online application. Because it's all online. I just got stuck at step one. And so that part was actually very simple. Um, you just fill out an application online saying where you're going, where you're from. You have to submit your orders and set up an appointment. Someone comes out and looks at all of your stuff to see how long it's going to take for them to move it. But... Um, Thankfully, my grandmother handled that because I was actually already in training when that happened. So that part was easy. Uh, ID cards, I didn't know enough about the process to even get one beforehand. So I had to wait till we got to DCC. And once I got to DCC, I didn't get it for three weeks. That, and that really holds you up because you need your ID card to do a lot of a lot of business there on post. So what was that like? So you find out you're, you've been accepted to JAG Corps. You get orders to show up to Fort Benning. What's it like when you show up? at Fort Benning? Well, sir, it was terrifying for me because I, um, first of all, it's like 90 degrees out. I wasn't used to that kind of humidity. Um, I dressed up pretty fancy. And then when I got there, I saw other people wearing shorts and a t-shirt. So I felt out of place. I didn't know where to go. It was a big, it was a big installation. But once I checked in at the visitor center, someone there squared me away, told me how to get to uh, the meeting point. Uh, but really, I just found two others who didn't know what they were doing either and just stuck with that group for that very in first initial meeting. Because I, um, I didn't even know how to talk to anyone in a uniform yet, so I just kind of stood there. What kind of work did you do to prepare yourself for physical fitness, the physical fitness requirements in the Army? 
I knew that it, we were going to be doing push-ups, sit-ups, and the run. That was, that's a standard um, fitness test at this point. So I, about uh, two months prior to coming into DCC, I just started doing push-ups, sit-ups, and, and run running. Uh, apart from that, I was not a very athletic person, but I focused on that for that short period of time, and it got me to where I needed to be when I got here. I started running a little bit in law school, but not much. And did you do any... Uh any other things for any other preparation to get ready for DCC? I actually did join CrossFit for about a month because I knew that I was going to have to deadlift um, just to even take the OPAT. The OPAT you have to pass before you can actually get in to start class. And part of the OPAT testing is the deadlift. And the minimum was 120 pounds and I could not even deadlift 120 pounds. So I joined CrossFit for a month and it got me to where I needed to be within three weeks. And I'm sure it helped in other ways that I didn't know. This concludes part one of episode four. To continue listening, please click on part two of episode four.